everybody. It's Jesse Lynn with the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. I have a very special guest with me today on the podcast. Man, you talk about just a great friend. Not only is he extremely talented in more ways than one, and you'll find out why, but he is just an all-around awesome guy to talk to. I have with me Mr. Tyler Dean McDowell. Tyler, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you know, go ahead. You are you are way too kind. Oh <laughs> no, I'm it's not the worthy truth. of that introduction. Oh yes, you are because uh, let's see, just the raw talent that you possess uh, in singing, painting, filmmaking. Let's see, storytelling. What else? Um, what else did I forget? <laughs> Cat juggling. Cat juggling. Yes, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, it's it's great. I'm a great sous chef. Oh, no, I better not say that because that kind of sounds realistic. Hang on, I'm not a good sous chef. You're not uh, a good sous chef. It wouldn't no. surprise me <laughs> if you were. <laughs> yeah, I I can cook a little bit. Um, breakfast is my specialty. You know, oh. like scratch biscuits and things like that. Oh so. my goodness! So okay, you got to tell me what is your all time favorite breakfast item to make. Uh, probably, yeah, probably the scratch biscuits. It's a recipe that, uh, got from a family friend of ours years ago. And, uh, I tried not to cook them now. And, you know, honestly, I probably need to, cause I may have forgotten. Uh oh. That, that, that'd be a good thing. That'd be a good thing, right? <laughs> you know, you don't need to just be coming home. There'd be a big plate of warm biscuits sitting on the counter. You know, it's very tempting, especially if you add some homemade gravy to that. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just the best. Oh, my goodness. So I can't cook much anymore because I, uh, I was a victim of the, the, the COVID. I and uh, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't been able to taste or smell anything since October 11th, 2020. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, that's no fun at all. Well, it is for me because now I have an excuse. I can't cook for people. I'm like, hey, <laughs> sorry, I can't do it. I, you know, I don't know what it tastes like. It might be terrible and I don't want to poison you or something. Exactly. So. That's that is a great excuse. Great <laughs> bell out trying to see the silver lining. Absolutely. The silver lining is always best. And I think you have mastered that art pretty well because you have quite a story um, to tell. And, and this is part of the reason You're why You're not I talking wanted... about that time in Guatemala, are you? No, not talking about that one. However, we can talk about it if you feel like it, but... <laughs> No, 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 no. That stays between me and you. That sounds good. I, I, yeah, that's mom's the word. Pay. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, we better be, we better be careful. They might take this the wrong way. I know, for real. Oh my goodness, we're we're totally joking. Some people. guy's gonna come out and say, "I'm Felipe." I'll be like, "No, wait a minute, homie. I don't know you." <laughs> oh my goodness, we'll be guilty on our all uh, sectors on that one. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Well, it is such an honor to have you on the podcast today. And the reason I wanted to invite you on is because you do have an amazing story to tell, um, not only just in the music business, but your family history and um, your creativity. I, I love watching all of your stuff on social media, the brand new single that you have out, uh, Come to Nashville, the music video, the creative process behind it. And I really just wanted you to share with the folks um, you know, what it's been like for you to chase your dreams and, and work towards those goals and, and see them start coming no, to fruition. No. <laughs> it's, been, it's been rough. It's been a long road. And, uh, I hope that the road leads, I know they say it's about the journey, not about the destination, but I hope that the road is leading somewhere. So that way I can look back on it all, you know, positively and use my experiences, uh, you know, as an example for others. Uh, to keep to keep going down that that long and lonely highway, as yeah. they say, even when you feel like you're, you know, running out of gas and you got to get out and push. Uh, sometimes you feel like, what's the point? Right. And I would like to be an example for people. Um, that's why, um, you know, I always used to get frustrated because if you Google, you could do it right now and Google a list of the people who made it later in life, but still, they're like. When they say, quote, unquote, later in life, it's like 21, 25, and I'm like 31. I'm like, where's the ones that made it in their 50s? Like, I want to, you know, like, just give me some hope. So now my goal is to 
just just put it off. Like if something uh, success starts knocking at the door, I'm kind of like, no, no, wait, wait, wait till I'm 40. So that way I can give other kids hope that no, hey, that guy didn't make it till he was 40. Look at him. Right. No, but uh, seriously, success. If you want to come knocking on the door, it's fine. You can come right now. It's totally cool. <laughs> I don't want to like speak that oh into goodness. existence. Well, I tell you, one thing I do admire is your work ethic. And folks, if you have not um, or are not following Tyler Dean on social media, you need to, because that is one thing that I admire most about you is the fact that um, you keep pushing the envelope and keep grinding and, and really working towards what you want. Do you know who you're do. talking to? Are you sure you're talking to the right guy? I am positive. <laughs> okay. Look, this is my, this is my takeaway from it. So, and, okay. and you do. Uh, um, and I really enjoy um, when you do your live videos and, and sometimes it's just the, the awesome, just talking to everybody about your, you know, about your day or life experiences that have taken place place. Um, I think it does set a good example for people to really think and dig a little bit deeper. Um, so I'd really like for you to talk a little bit too about um, kind of where that comes from. You know, what, how, and not really how, because some, sometimes I think you're just born with um, a divine gift and talent, and obviously you have many, but where does some of your inspiration and creativity come from? I mean, I know you are an avid and amazing painter and then of course uh, a songwriter and storyteller but just tell us a little bit about that what what's the fuel that drives you um my heroes are uh, of course my dad will tell you that my hero is walt disney and and while that's true uh dad would take the number one spot um i look at him and his passion i mean the guy's 71 years old and uh he still loves what he does and i don't think he'll ever stop you know it's funny you can go back and read uh interviews uh you know of him in the late 70s early 80s and uh you know he's like i think i'll retire when i'm like 50 you know mm-hmm. it's like and he's still going and it's not out of necessity necessarily it's because you know, he's always told me you need a reason to put your feet on the ground in the morning. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he's he's an inspiration. And uh, I aspire to, you know, not fill his shoes, but at least try to walk in them a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always wanted to be a creator, like for as long as I can remember. Um, I've just wanted and I didn't really necessarily know, always know what that meant. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I guess when I was a kid, i you know, wanted to build theme parks, although I didn't know what that meant. You know, right. I was just like, I want a place like Disney. You know, I want my own theme park. Uh, you know, and my dad would always take me to watch movies, uh, you know, on the weekend or on during the week when we were on the road. During the weekends, we would come home and like during the week, we'd go to the movies. And, uh, you know, when I, I think I was like five years old, I saw a guy uh, run out of a warehouse in a movie and he was chased by all these dudes and he, and he was running after a plane and he jumped in the plane and the plane went off a cliff and then he got in the seat and like pulled the plane up and, and, you know, prevented it from crashing and all these guys was like shooting at him and stuff. And that was James Bond Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. And I was five years old and I was just like, wow, I don't, I didn't know what the crap that was. Right. But I knew I wanted to be a part of that somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to be like 13, I realized, okay, so there's a director, there's, you know, a screenwriter and, and a screenwriter is the person who tells the story. And I was like, okay, I want to do that. Like, that's what I want to do. So mm-hmm. started researching about that. And of course, during that time, my dad had put me into a studio and uh, by 13, I was already signed to uh, Curb Records. And, uh, you know, I'd always loved performing for people. And so it's just my life has always revolved around entertainment. Mm -hmm. And um, I adopted one of my heroes, Walt Disney's uh, phrase, you know, I want to be known as a storyteller. And no matter, and you've mentioned that a couple of times, but it's true, no matter what I do, uh, whether it's songs or movies or whatever, uh, I just want to be a storyteller. And that's why I love country music so much. I didn't grow up listening to country music. I was surrounded by it. And so I kind of almost had a little bit of a resentment towards it. Right. Um, But when I was 16, I was asked to be a country artist by Mike Curb. He said, you know, he didn't think he could make the pop 
thing worked, the Backstreet Boys thing. So I started listening to country and um, I realized there's really, I mean, I don't know if there's no greater medium in the music you know, world to tell a story, but I feel like country music is one of the greatest mediums to tell stories in your songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I love it so much. That's awesome. You know, it's, it is great. And I love the fact too, you know, I've had the opportunity when I, when I first met your dad and, um, finally had the opportunity to meet you in person, we were actually, um, at the Portland show when, uh, he had come home to do the hometown show. And, you know, it's funny, you got up and you sang Viva Las Vegas. And, um, <laughs> It's amazing that I, I remember telling my mom on the way home, I said, you can tell two two things that I took away from that show. One, I love you and your dad's sense of family. And, you know, it's, it's it literally is a family affair, you know, um, pretty much family band all the way through touring. And you can just tell that you love what you do when you step on the stage. Um, your dad's the same way. It's it's a show and y'all tell the story in such a way that, um, you know, finding true entertainers this day and time are very, it's difficult, um, that can successfully tell the story plus entertain at the same time. But both of y'all do it flawlessly and effortlessly. Um, You're quite an entertainer yourself. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. But um, a- another thing, you you talked about the screenwriter and um on your Instagram stories, and please correct me if I'm wrong, was it Dan? I know he's no longer around now, but you used to do like these little short films um, uh, on Instagram Dan, yeah. that I absolutely loved. Yes. <laughs> those were so much fun. What, uh, please tell me you're going to bring something back like that because those are fun to watch. I uh, Yeah, Dan is a, is a touchy subject for me. That's fine. I, I don't feel bad for bringing it up. I, I love talking about him. But for me, it's uh, when I got let go from Curb Records, uh, which, you know, I, I'm thankful for the home they've provided all these years for me and specifically for my dad. But, um, you know, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise when they let me go because I could do my own thing. But when I was signed, uh, you know, the Vine predecessor to TikTok was, you know, a big thing. And um, I, there was a bunch of Viners, I'm trying to cut the story, uh, story short here, but there was a bunch of Viners who were creating uh, alternate personas, you know, these these characters. And my girlfriend at the time, she asked me, she was like, are you going to do a character? And I was like, I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, but I came home and, and I had all these fake plants in the house, you know, in every room we had some kind of a faux you know, tropical looking plant. And uh, I've always been uh, a massive uh, Disney fan. And one of my favorite attractions was the Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, over the course of my life, tried to write my own Jungle Cruise film. And so it was always like two or three times throughout my life I tried. And because um, I'm a big Indiana Jones fan and big Pirates of the Caribbean fan. And so I thought, okay, what ride can I write a movie about? And, uh, you know, I was like, Jungle Cruise is kind of like Indiana Jones based in the 30s, you know, adventure. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So it was always like in the forefront of my mind. Um, and I was like, well, what about a Jungle Cruise skipper? like talking about for the vine, these little short films, what about a jungle cruise skipper who was lost in the jungle trying to find his way back to the, the outpost. And he was like trying to pretend to be brave, but he's really not. Right. Um, or at least that's what we think. And then talking about him being a touchy subject with me, I, I say that, but at the same time, like I, I, one of my first paintings I ever did was of skipper Dan. And it's actually, I'm looking at it right now. It's hanging in my office. Uh-huh. And, um, it, it has become a metaphor. He has become a metaphor to keep moving forward because I feel like he was one of those things and not to be Debbie Downer here, but it never did work. Like I had a few people who were so dedicated and they let, like some people did like sketches of him and things, but he never could, I never could get off the ground. It's like with anything else I've seen to tried, like nothing really, nobody gravitates to it. It doesn't garner success. And uh, so I just, it was so difficult. It was just me. Um, I wound up doing like a two minute short film and I poured my blood, literally sweat (laughs) and tears into it. Right. Uh, And and it was just me with one camera. And and I had a big blue sheet on the back wall of our bonus room 
and uh, I only had one background, like this one sheet. So instead of moving the camera around the set, mm -hmm. I had to move the set around the camera. Ooh. And I had to make sure that everything was placed correctly so that way it looked like different angles. And so there was just, it was so difficult. It was, and I hate to keep being redundant, but it was just me. I was, I was a literal one man band. And the, the, the lack of likes and comments, even though, you know, you shouldn't be obsessed with that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it matters. Yeah. And it just couldn't, I could not justify all the hard work. Um, and I, I feel weird saying that, like, look at all the hard work I did, but you know, I mean, it really was, it was very strenuous. So I couldn't justify it. So I just let him go because, um, I was, <laughs> I hate saying this, but I was told that someone who I was a big fan of, uh, was informed of me. And, um, about a year and a half later, that individual came out and said he was doing a jungle cruise movie with the Walt Disney company. Oh <laughs> so, my goodness. Talk about the, yeah, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So I just felt, I don't know, Dan became, he just put a bad taste in my mouth, but I've since kind of, again, silver linings. I'm, I try, even though I don't always succeed. Dan is the ultimate silver lining for me because he never stopped, even though he was terrified, he never stopped trying to get back to the jungle cruise outpost. He was always going to the jungle, no matter what. So I, most of the time when I'm like down and like feeling like I can't go going in a long, lonely highway again, like I always am like, what would Dan do? You know, just right. keep moving forward. Right. So. Exactly. Regardless of the circumstances, it's that's, yeah. that's awesome. If I ever get a lot of money or, you know, get a little bit more cash and, uh, you know, can get it. Cause I had to sell my camera at one point and, uh, but if I could ever, you know, get enough money to do it, I would like to do one more big, 35 minutes, like just epic Skipper Dan short film and just bring the story to a close. You know? Right. Absolutely. Well, I know. You might mention something about Skipper Frank. Right. Exactly. The, the <laughs> exactly. new guy. Yeah. The new guy. The new guy. <laughs> yes. Well, I remember um, when. Of course, when I first met you, of course, you know that nobody social media stalks at all these, you know, this day and time. And uh, I remember scrolling through those and I'm like, OK, why? What's the story behind this? Why did he stop doing these? Because I thoroughly enjoyed them as far as the, the short blurbs and, and all of that. It shows how creative um, you are in the fact of that storytelling, the, the production, the, you know, like you said, the set. Now, what I find very interesting is that you had to move the set around the camera. <laughs> that is pretty astounding right there. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I honestly, I tell people all the time, not to interrupt, but uh, the, the film and the one I was talking about specifically was uh, uh, Skipper Dan beheaded. And, um, if you watch it, like if I watch it, I, I have no idea how I did it. Like, I literally do not. Like, I say that and I tell people, like, I would have to learn everything all over again. Like, I would, I just buckled down and I was like, I, I want, it was something I wanted to do. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I watched all the YouTube videos. I didn't go to film school or anything. I learned about, like, you know, frame rates and, you know, F-stops and all that crap. I don't know anything about it now. So I would have to look it all up again. I watch it and mm -hmm. I... And I think it's okay for me to say, because I don't necessarily look at it, even though it was just a few years ago, I don't look at it as me. I look at it as some kid, you know, like my early music and stuff. It's like some other kid who's trying really hard. So I feel like it's okay to talk highly about it because I'm so uh, distanced from it now. It's just like, I, I don't know how he did it. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I'm, like, I'm astounded. I'm like, that. Kid had a lot going for him. What happened? <laughs> well, you know, I, and again, I I don't think you give yourself enough credit where credit's due because that is one thing that I do notice about you, and and that's you know what I mean by you 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 put your feet to the grindstone, and I mean you work your butt off, and that is what I thoroughly enjoy watching is the process, and that's kind of what this whole podcast is about. Um, is encouraging others say look if you've got a dream or you've given up on something the only person that's allowed that to stop is you and you haven't done that you have said hey I've had a few hard knocks and I'm going to keep going because this is something that I want to do and you feel strongly about it and the thing is um, it does make a difference whether or not 
you know, you or I know it. Yeah, I, I know a lot of the times I can be a little self-critical of myself as well, saying, well, gosh, I could have done that a lot better. And Did you say gosh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, howdy. Oh, hi there. <laughs> yes, I did. And uh, it's, oh my goodness. And um, that, that was a little bit of an impromptu there. <laughs> a little bit of the Southerner coming out in me. But um, it's it's great because this, this is exactly what this podcast is about, is being able to do what it takes to, to get where you want to go. And um, I don't think I've ever really asked you this, Tyler. Where Where is it that, that you are wanting to go? I mean, tell us, what are you shooting for? The stars and beyond and, and put it all out there. Let us know. I want to kick Bob Iger out of his office at the Walt Disney Company. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to hire a video crew to do that one, okay? <laughs> and I want to be like, I'm your boss now. No, um, it's... I have so many, I'm like my dad. I mean, I hate to keep, you know, saying that, but I mean, I just, there's so many things that I would like to do. Is that one of them? Like, yeah, probably. Is that an outlandish dream? Yes, of course. But uh, I would like to step into the Walt Disney company one day. And um, so I'll tell you what, okay. I'll say it like this. I sat with uh, a very influential individual. I had the opportunity to be in someone's presence who has done very well for himself in the music industry and uh, he asked me the very same question and you know had i been smart um or if i could go back in time i i know exactly what i would say you know i um i wouldn't say what i just said about the bob argument but um i think it was his test to kind of see you know who i was and what i really what my intent were my intentions were and things like that and Mm -hmm. and i told him that as a joke because i try to you know remain as lighthearted as i can you know uh, and, and I said that I was like, I'd like to get kick Bob Iger out of his office. And, and he goes, so you want money? Hmm. And I said, and I was like, well, no, like, no. And he goes, no, you do. You want money. And I was like, well, I mean, it, it takes money to make things a reality. So, I mean, money would be nice. Right. But cause I mean, it does, it takes money to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many people in this industry, um, are, uh, you know, I don't even want to say it because a, a lot of people are fortunate and are helped along the way. Even Walt Disney, when he left Kansas City, was given $5,000, which with inflation was like 75 grand. Right. You know, and I've always said, you give me 75 grand, I can do, I can start my own company too, you know. Right, exactly. And that's not, that's not discrediting Walt or discrediting artists who are fortunate because, you know, you couldn't do it if you didn't have talent. Right. You know, it's kind of like... Um, it's a terrible metaphor, but it would be like someone who uses uh, anabolic steroids in the gym. If you take those steroids and you just sit at home on a couch, you're going to get fat. Right. Those guys who have, take those supplements, I mean, they, they're putting in the work. So, you know, just because somebody has a little, little boost with financially doesn't mean uh, they're not, they're not talented. I just don't want to, you know, sound like I'm uh, discrediting anyone. Right. No, I, but, I um, Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I think that when I use that analogy for the Bob Iger thing, it's like I want to be in a position where I can make whatever dream I have come to fruition. And I think that's what we all want. Right. You know, I think we all want to do that. But um, when it comes down to it and you trim the fat and, you know, a Cliff's Notes version would be I just want to entertain people. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, a movie, uh, um, a series of music videos that are all interconnected, telling an overarching story. Like, I'm not, am I doing that for me? Like, well, yeah, because it's going to be fun to do that. Right. But I'm not doing it just for me. I'm doing it because I think other people would like to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, like, oh, where's this next music video going to go? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of, we're going to drop a music video in June, uh, yes. which is a reimagining of a song that everybody, every, pretty much everyone is familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, depending on your age. Um, but at the very end of this music video, you know, it says Tyler Dean McDowell will return and it gives the title of the next song, which we're dropping in December. Oh, that's so right exciting. Now. You know, so, and I, and I think that, well, that's my that's my hope and dream is that more people will think that as well. You know, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Like we want to see what else is coming. So I guess, 
uh, the answer to that question is I just want to entertain people. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, you know, you enjoy. Um, so I think this is kind of where you and I are very much similar. We want to see people happy. Um, and we, we want to see yes. people enjoying <laughs> yes. um, life and, and living it to the fullest and not so much doom and gloom. And, and you know, in, in a perfect world, everything that we dream would become a reality. And that would be fantastic yeah. and beautiful and everything that it is. Um, and sometimes life deals other people a crappy stack of cards that you know, maybe they can't help circumstance wise or um, something happened and you, you just, I, I don't know, you just can't shake it. And um, that has always been my kind of my, mo my motto for the music and even with the horses and um, being that role model for people to, I, I just want you to feel better about yourself and your life just after having met me. You know, I don't even necessarily have to get up and sing a song, but if you go home feeling uplifted, which like I said, you, you have this ability to, you and your dad both do, you can just talk with both of you guys for five minutes and feel like you matter to somebody other than you know, immediate family. Um, that's the very first thing that I noticed about you and your dad both when, when I first had the opportunity to meet you guys was it it's like you've known us forever. And we literally sat down at a Mexican restaurant you and had dinner. You need to call this Jesse Lynn's compliment podcast because <laughs> this is all you're You're just like, sure. And I hate compliments. That's not, well, that's not true. I say that, but I do love compliments. I just don't. I'm terrible at receiving them. So I'm over here like cringing the whole time. I'm like, no, please. You're not talking about me. You're talking about somebody else. <laughs> no, we're talking you. about you. Thank That's you. why. <laughs> That's why. Because it, it is. And and here's the thing. I would not say it. And you you probably have picked this up for you know enough now to. I would not say it if it were not true or I didn't mean it. Um, that's definitely the cowgirl side coming out. And, um, it's, it's just one of those things. I'm like, look, if you're terrible, I'm going to tell you, if you're not, I'm going to make sure people know it. And, um, it's, it's a good thing. And, and that is one thing I like about you too, Tyler, is the fact that, um, you let your work speak for itself. You don't tell people how good you are or, you know, hey, look at all of this. No, you you do the work, and you just hope everybody enjoys it. That's the best part, right there. That's humbleness. And it's humbling that you recognize that because I tell people all the time, um, I can know my self worth, but I don't have to scream it. Right. There's nothing worse than you know, just to me. In my personal opinion, there's nothing worse than somebody who comes up to me and goes, you know, I'm a really good fiddle player. It's like, <laughs> okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Why don't you grab a fiddle and let me find out? You know what I'm saying? Let yes. me decide, you know? Yes. I, I, I get a lot of heat, or I feel like I'm going to, if I can get, you know, out there in the public more, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. But I, there is this idea that we shouldn't, or people constantly say to you, don't care about what other people think. And I... I have not come up with the how I feel that statement needs to be changed um, because a lot of people have asked, they're like, well, what do you, what should we say? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know yet. You just give me 10 years. I'll come up with a great quote and you, you'll be able to Google and find it years later. Mm -hmm. Tyler Dean McDowell, here's his quote. Mm -hmm. um, people are who give you what you need to live life like if you don't care about what people think you'll never receive what they have to offer that's right i say that all the time you have to if i didn't care about what the audience thought specifically about me and my performance i'd be a terrible entertainer right you know mm -hmm. so you're talking about happiness and stuff it's like i look out you know wanting everybody to be happy like that's that's a that's a type of caring about what people think i think the Maybe it's more of like, be aware of what people think. Just don't let it, you know, drive you to insanity. Don't let it destroy you if someone doesn't necessarily like you. That's right. You know, or what, what you have to offer. I think that's maybe a better way of putting it. Yes. Um, and so I, I have just always, I've never wanted to be perceived as arrogant. Um, I've, even confident like because i feel like confidence borders on the arrogance and i would just rather 
stay as far away from it as possible. And so that's why, you know, I'm comedically, or I, I say I try to maintain an admirable level of humility because mm-hmm. when somebody is self-deprecating, I find that humble. Like I'm, right. I'm like, oh, they can make, they can poke fun of themselves. Like they're not coming up to me and telling me how good of a fiddle player they are. Correct. Um, Yes, there is a fiddle player I'm referring to, but they will not be named. <laughs> be safe rather than sorry, like the Guatemala story there. Exactly. <laughs> we don't need exactly. Felipe coming back up, right? <laughs> That's right. Felipe was the fiddle player. There we go. That's it. He's a good fiddle safe. player that good happened safe. to be in Guatemala and yeah, on that trip. Yeah, there we go. Well, we're going was, with that one. An, That's our story and we're sticking to it. He was an arrogant guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is this is too good. And and I agree with you on that. You know, the, it is hard to say that you can't care about what people say because it's just kind of crazy if if you don't. Um that's like you said it's kind of a part of who we are. And especially as creators, um it's one of those things of where we have to care, you know, when we're writing songs or um like right now I'm working on a on a book. You have to think about what what are people going to take away from this? And that's the whole reason behind this podcast is I want people to take away having the ability to know that they can do something whether or not anybody else thinks they can. And so that's kind of the whole full circle uh, aspect of this. And I think you hit the nail on the head pretty good there. Yeah, I mean, I have um, I have observed uh, an individual. I've talked about her a couple of times in the last few interviews I've done. I hope she doesn't listen because uh, she's probably going to think, oh, Jesus, um, this kid. But uh, she is an individual who is in the public eye and how she um, handles hate, you know, people talking bad about her and things like that is just so admirable. And she does not let it get to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she does. I don't know her personally, but um, it, it it appears as if she doesn't allow people's opinions to destroy her. You know, uh, my uh, my cousin, who is a singer as well, uh, Michaela McDowell, she is uh, she always says haters are my motivators, you know, so right. <laughs> I feel I feel like uh, this individual that I'm referring to, um, she is aware of what people think, but mm-hmm. she doesn't let it get to her. And, and, and it's helped me because I, I have in the past, if somebody doesn't like me or they say something negative, you know, the trolls, I let it destroy me or I used to. Mm-hmm. And now I just, I, um, it's, it's a struggle, you know, but I try my best to just let it roll off my shoulders. Cause I think that's, what we should do we, you know obviously we shouldn't let it get to us <laughs> right exactly exactly and it's easier said than done especially um i have found that that most artists um in in their own right whether it's you know sing you know singing songwriting uh painting anything i, I think a lot of us with the creative mindset um because we do take into account what everybody thinks it's a little harder um, to not wear our feelings on our sleeve because it's it's a project or something that we have poured our heart and soul into, and yes. it it's a little personal knock, but at the same time, I, I love Michaela's <laughs> quote: "There, haters are my motivators." So I'm gonna have to use <laughs> yes. that and quote her on that. Hey, don't be writing the song now; she'll come after you. I know. <laughs> I want to quote it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, um, I want to talk uh, real quick because you do. You 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 mm-hmm. talked a little bit about this um, new music video that'll be coming out in June. Um, you just had come to Nashville, come out uh, a couple of months ago, and a music video. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and kind of what I know. You said you kind of hinted to a song maybe dropping in December and all of that, but mm-hmm. tell us about a little bit of that creative process and and really what it meant to you to have this project come on the scene so uh you want the cliff notes version no uh <laughs> I, am, I am ronnie mcdowell's son as you know everybody is aware you know and that's another thing too i like to touch on is people I, I, i'm worried that everybody because i am so i would say i'm my dad's biggest fan but that that title goes to one of my cousins mm-hmm. um he is i i'm a i'd say i'm like the third maybe fourth biggest fan you know but i i it comes off i well i don't want it to come off I'm trying to choose my words carefully 
I don't want it to come off like I'm trying to be like, oh, look who my dad is. But people have to understand, and this is something that's why I like to talk about it. I had to go by my middle name for so long Mm -hmm. uh, at the request of my father and some other powers that be because they didn't want there to be any bias. Um, And so I lived my entire childhood not being able to talk about it, Mm -hmm. Um, not it being my life. You know, people be like, well, what have you been doing, Tyler? And I'd just be like, oh, nothing. (laughs) You know, I couldn't tell them who I was. Right. And so now it's it's a relief to be able, you know, to be off the label, to embrace who I am and say, this is my life. This is my heritage. And I'm proud of it. So Mm -hmm. that's why I talk about it. I just I'm worried that eventually if something kicks off, it's going to look like I'm trying to live off the name, which is the very thing that they were concerned about in the first place. But, you know. Uh, I hope more interviews, more podcasts and things like that. I can talk about that and let that be known. Uh, of course, like we said, you're always going to have haters, but um, right. <laughs> if, if it doesn't smell, it doesn't sell as Joe Metter used to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. But um, so yeah, short story long, I'm my dad's son. So I talk a lot and um, really at, starting at the beginning, it, it was when I got let go, um, you know, from Curb, and I always wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, you know, I did the music for over 10 years, and I was like, okay, well, the, you know, they wouldn't really let me go to film school because my manager at the time told me, he was like, if you do anything else other than music, they're going to think that your heart's not in it, which, you know, honestly, I used to, I used to talk bad about Wayne. Uh, well, whoops, oops. <laughs> talk bad about my manager. <laughs> uh, sometimes. Nobody called uh, it. You know, I, I would say, yeah, I would say some things. Uh, but he was right. You know, they would have. If I would have went to film school, it would have looked like my heart wasn't in it. I told him, you know, it's different if I was just like writing screenplays or writing novels. But if I had went to school for it, that really would have looked like my heart wasn't in the music business. So I think to an extent he was right. Right. Um, but I was let go. And so now I was like, OK, let me try the film thing. So as you said, you know, you mentioned Skipper Dan. Uh, I did that uh, and nothing worked. So I was just like, okay, well, before I get down the line and wish I would have, you know, done the music thing while I still had what little youth I had left, you know, I I probably should try music one more time. So I used to get frustrated because I never really had, as I said, when I was young, any help. And and that sounds like I was, you know, Oliver Twist with a little cup going, excuse me, sir, can I have some more? But, <laughs> right. you know, I knew that anybody who's ever had any success had some kind of help along the way. Mm-hmm. Like they did. They did. It's just part of it. I mean, we're all, there are self-made people. Absolutely. But I mean, like I mentioned before, even Walt Disney was given $5,000. Right. So it's like, I wanted somebody like that. And, and luckily I found a little lady who's, a sweetheart and she wanted to fund uh, an EP, a five song compilation and a music video. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, okay. So we went into the studio after, I think it was like a year. I think it took a little over a year to pick the songs wow. um, because I just wanted to make sure, you know, and we do one at a time, one at a time. And, um, one of the songs was a remake of my dad's oldest record. It was the first one we did on the project. And I, since I was 17, I, I had this idea when I was 17 years old, I was standing backstage at one of my dad's concerts and he went out on stage like he always does. And he sings a song like he does every show. And I said, if I could ever get to a certain level, quote unquote, I'm going to redo that song. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the time when I, you know, was, I got a little financial backing, which wasn't much, but I mean, it was enough to do some songs. Mm-hmm. I still, I was like, why not do it now? I mean, I'm 20, I think it was 27 right. going on 28. And, um, and, you know, my dad's not going to be around for forever and I want him to know that I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So that was the first song we did. And we did the video to it, uh, for it. And, um, I said on it. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like without the security of a record label's legal team, if I put it out on YouTube and it gets like, you know, 4,000 views or something, you know, which is being generous for me and everything I've done, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are the odds of somebody like Luke Bryan hearing it and going, oh, that's Ronnie McDowell's old song. That's a great idea. And then they put out their version and nobody ever hears mine. Right. 
But I mentioned him earlier, the person I got to sit with um, and talk to, uh, a very influential individual who's done well for himself in the music business. He said, if you've got something, and he, it, was, it was real weird. Like, it was a party, but it was like just me and him sitting at a table. Well, my dad was sitting at the same time, but it was a big table, and he was kind of far away. And it was just me and this guy, and he, he had his elbows on his knees, and he was he's leaning over, and he was like maybe 12 inches from my face. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, if you've got something that you're sitting on and you think is great, he said, why wait? Right. And it just put it into perspective. And then my cousin, uh, the one who's my dad's number one fan, he said, uh, Tyler, he said, when people say you've got to take a chance and he's he's in the he's been in the music business as well and he's you know been screwed over so he understands where i'm coming from Mm -hmm. uh and he said that he's like tyler i get it he's like i i've had stuff stolen from me he said i understand he said but when people say you got to take a chance this is your version of that right absolutely so i made a decision in 2019 december 2019 i said i'm going to release it next year Mm-hmm. Um, and I made a post about it and I said in the caption, it's still there. I said, I'm seeing 2020 mm-hmm. and then 2020 happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was you who, who, who messed up 2020 right, yeah. way to go. Exactly. No, my fault. I, I put it out there, but, um, <laughs> it, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because, um, the, the lovely lady that I mentioned, um, who's kind of in the public eye uh she was getting a lot of hate online still gets a lot of hate every day um for her political beliefs she uh i came to her defense and said something on twitter and i don't know if that's why she followed me i i don't have a clue but she followed me and uh i i think either i reached out to her or she reached out to me and i talked to we just had casual conversation and it was just it was just completely innocent, whatnot, just the cordial conversation. And um, I was sitting in my bed one night, and I was like, I wish that she would just come to Nashville. Like, I'd get her some hot chicken, whatever. we just talk or whatever. Mm-hmm. And within 30 minutes, I wrote the song, uh, Come to Nashville. And I'm not a songwriter. I've only ever written three songs in my life. <laughs> well, that's a pretty and, darn and good song to have only written three. <laughs> it, it was, it's it's actually number three. Well, <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> and uh, and I sent it to my cousin as a voice memo, and he got it the next day at his work, and he works in a factory, and he couldn't really hear it. And uh, he goes, "Is he like? Is this a joke? He's singing about hot chicken." <laughs> he was like, "He goes, no, wait a minute, this is legit." So he called me, mm-hmm. and uh, and I told him, I said, I think instead of releasing the one that we had already done, the remake of my dad's record, I said, you know, I need to stand on my own instead of being like, I'm Ronnie's son. I need to put out something that's me first. And so um, we cut the song and I think it was cut or recorded, cut, mastered, all that within two weeks. And uh, we released it in February. So, I mean, I literally, and everybody hates it when I say this because they're like, no, Tyler, you took the initiative. But I literally only have one person to thank for actually lighting a fire under my, you know what, Mm -hmm. and like giving me an idea and put it, I I would not have that song out there if it wasn't for that individual. Right. Um, So, you know, I will be forever eternally grateful. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, it's an amazing song and I love the music video. And I know you uh, just actually sold some scripts from that video, right? On Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you know, times are tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's amazing. I mean, talk about innovative ways to um, brand yourself and, again, show that creativity. I, I absolutely love it. And, and for the folks listening, if you have not checked out Tyler's single, Come to Nashville, you need to. Um, I know you were working on a lyric video to it one night really late. <laughs> When I happened to be up and from this lyric video. <laughs> yes. God. And but I mean again, that's a whole nother part of your creativity because I mean you you actually did all of that, right? Yeah. See, that's again just uh, amazing. And this is what I love. I love the fact that Yes, earlier you were talking about kind of being the one man band and being on your own, but you know what I see is I see the fact that you can be that one man band and do it all. 
And it's uh, I like what you said about being let go from the labor. It was really a blessing in disguise. And I've had so many um, things happen in my life that are similar to that, that where, you know, the Lord just doesn't have you fitting in that spot, but he's using it to build you and, and, and allow growth. And that's what I hear when, when you're talking about your story and everything that's been going on, you have just grown so much from what was. And that is the, the whole point of this podcast is being able to grow and, and just never stop learning and keep it on going. That's, that's the best part about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's my thing. Um, I I know I quote Walt Disney a lot, but he said um, the only true failure is when you quit. And of course, I'm paraphrasing, but yes. that's basically the that's basically that's the, the quote. And and um, I, I I don't plan on failing. Like I'm just I'm never going to quit. I don't blame um, you, and you shouldn't. You're you're far too talented to hang up. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but uh, I appreciate it. Well, I do, and I know some other people that do too. Believe me, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 quite amazing to to sit back and and watch just everything that you have going on and your paintings. I know we we've we've be, briefly mentioned them, but um, oh my gosh, I do good to draw a stick person. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I do I do good to do the stick person. Um, and it's just, again, I'm like, and, and my, I ask myself, is there anything that you cannot do? And math. Math. <laughs> math. At all. I'm At sorry. all. I don't even know what seven times seven is, and I don't want to know because I like being able to say that I don't know what it is. Right. <laughs> At this point, it's become like a running gag. Like, I just don't. Yeah. It's not my strong suit, you know. It never was mine in in high school, and I was glad when I never had to take it again. So that's probably why I enjoy songwriting and singing a whole heck of a lot more than being an engineer. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I wish I I did know because um, I'm actually, I'm sitting, um, I went down to uh, Galaxy's Edge. I have eight nieces and nephews, and uh, of course, I'm not married, don't have any kids, and so they're all like my kids, and I tell them all the time. I told one yesterday. Uh, she's in town from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's where she's from. That's where she lives. And uh, I told her. I said, you know, I, I honestly, I don't think that I can have kids as cool as you guys. Like they, the bar is so high. And these kids are so smart. They're so intelligent. Um, but. I'm going to get all emotional. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm just, this is I'm good. just so proud of them. But um, I, uh, I, was, I was sitting here looking at one of the things that I was um, uh, showing her. And, you know, because she is like, she is well, way beyond me. Like, she is, she's far exceeded. Her art talent is incredible. Like, uh, she's just, she has her own. Instagram and stuff. Uh, she follows me, so you guys, you'll see her stuff on there as well. But she's far exceeded my artwork and Dad's artwork. But uh, I built. I took them. I took my oldest niece and I. Uh, I took her and I took my oldest nephew down to Galaxy's Edge, um, in uh, Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, in January of last year. And I showed. She's not at the time. She wasn't a Star Wars fan. Her her first introduction to Star Wars was riding the brand new most technologically advanced attraction ever built by Disney and it's Star Wars. So like she tells people all the time, she goes, yeah, okay. So you've been a Star Wars fan longer than me, but was your first Star Wars experience actually being in Star Wars? (laughs) There you go. That's it. Exactly. But she didn't know what a, and you know, I, I don't blame her. A lot of people don't, but she didn't know what a gonk droid, um, is and it's they're basically like walking batteries in the star wars universe they're just droids that are kind of like dumb like dodo birds but they just provide power right and uh they're i don't know they're like chest height well no waist height and um i was explaining them to her and i and i looked at it and i was like i i want to build one of those i don't know why like i want one in my house like mm-hmm. i want a gaunt droid and i want to make it like my phone charger or something you know like like set my phone on top of the head uh-huh. and you know it just it's a wireless charger or whatnot well, I didn't know that the the apocalypse was going to happen, and I would actually be building one within like four months. I had no idea. <laughs> right. I was so bored 
like, and I, you know, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's were still open. So I went and got some uh, storage containers and everything. And I actually built a, a droid, like a prop Star Wars droid. Um, and he's sitting um, by my desk right now. His name is Richard. Richard. I have no idea why. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I just chose a name. I was like, I don't know, Richard. Um, but the reason I brought it up is because I I wish I knew a lot of engineering, like mechanical or, you know, uh, electrical and things like that. I've always been, you know, kind of judge with your eye and your thumb, you know, like I don't, I don't know how to calculate and all that crap, but I, I wish I did because it would have come in handy when I built Richard or like, you know, right. doing the wiring and the soldering and things yes. like that. But I can build the, the exterior of the prop. I just can't do the internal work. Right. Yeah. I remember seeing something about that on your Facebook and I'm like, again, is there anything you can't do besides <laughs> math and engineering that we've established? Well, <laughs> well, my dad, you know, he used to do crap like that. He still does every now and then, but he did a, um, a life-size golden statue of Elvis Presley one time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm pretty sure y'all can Google or get on Facebook and search there because, you know, that's where all the <laughs> – sorry, no offense. That's where all the Ronnie McDowell fans are. You know, Facebook's a, a digital nursing home. That's what I call it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's great. I love sorry, it. Y'all. Sorry, y'all. Oh, sorry, everybody. Whoever's listening. How dare this kid? But uh, you can find pictures, I'm sure, of Ronnie McDowell's golden Elvis statue he did. And then uh, he also did – I don't even know why he did it. Like I don't, I don't think I've ever even asked. He built a carousel horse, hmm. like just a, just a random carousel horse, and like he sold it at an auction, I think, uh, like eh, twenty years ago. But yeah, so he was always doing stuff like that. And you know, I mean, I I'm he a single parent, and you know, I all my brothers and sisters are older, and it was just me, and so I was always with him, and he was always doing things like that. So I guess I just you know, observe. Yeah, you picked up the knack for it. And I'm actually sitting here looking at Facebook talking about always being with him. Um, the the opening of the Disney MGM Studios, uh, the great movie mm. ride. Um, mm-hmm. And looking at that photo in, uh, back in 89. And I, and I love your, your quote. Um, As his youngest son watched with a look of awe and confusion. <laughs> <laughs> I Hey, I'll give y'all a little um, behind the scenes thing about that. I was terrified of Mickey Mouse. No, you were that, not. Like, in those photos. I don't, I, all I remember was thinking that he was going to take me home. <laughs> and so what I'm thinking is, and I just had this revelation just a few days ago when I posted that, because it was the um, anniversary of, uh, well, it had originally opened as Disney MGM Studios, but now it's Disney's Hollywood Studios. Right. Um it was the anniversary of its opening. And uh, I was like, why did I think he was going to take me home? And I was like, that's something somebody tells a kid. I was like, so somebody told me that. Right. <laughs> and I, I wish I could figure out. I bet I'd know who it was. And they were like, hee, 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 hee. I'm going to tell the Mickey Mouse going to take him home. And I was terrified. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> I read that and I about fell out. I was like, oh my goodness. It was, it's great. It's great. You know, and again, going back to that family piece, I, I think it's amazing that you you and your dad are so very close. And I mean, your whole family is. You you talked about your nieces and nephews and all of them. Don't get me starting to cry again now. I know. On, I'm now. sorry. I'm sorry. You I'm know, but. to be manly as hell. Hey, hey, absolutely. But you know, tough guys cry too. So, and there's That's nothing true. wrong with that there's nothing wrong with showing some compassion and that is something that you definitely have a ton of and it um it just you can see how awesome your family is and how close you guys are that's I think that is just absolutely astounding and fantastic and um it's just great I I love seeing it it's we need more of that we really do yeah everybody has their you know qualms and um Everybody, that's the thing. I don't ever want to, because I hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to get in a position to where I, uh, you know, I I, I live at home. I hate to say that, but again, I want to be an example. So it's like if there's somebody out there who feels bad, they're struggling and living at home. It's whatnot. You know, hey, I can tell them, you know, I was 31 still living at home. Like, you know, I moved out temporarily at one point. I had to come back and and I think that's okay. And um, talking about, you know, 
personas and putting on and masks and all that, like not the metaphorical ones. We're not talk, going right, to talk not about the, this, not but, the actual COVID <laughs> mask. Right, right. That not one. those masks. We're not going to have that conversation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people tend to wear a mask and, you know, they're false, you know, social media and all that. And I, and I never want to do it. And so I, before I you know, start talking about th this kind of stuff in regards to like family and whatnot, I definitely need to not be living at home. Uh, what are you talking about, boy? No, uh, but everybody, I just want it. I want it to be known that everybody has their issues. Everybody, everybody goes through stuff. Nobody's perfect. And I never want to, yes, it's good to, um, stand as a, as an example and like mm -hmm. give people somebody to look up to. But at the same time, you don't want people to constantly be trying to live up to something they can't. Right. You know? And if you do have issues with families, with siblings or whatever, like that's totally okay. What you have to do is just love them, right. love them. And uh doesn't necessarily mean you got to go have pizza with them all the time, right. <laughs> but just, just you know, be, love be them. And if they ever, exactly. And if they ever need you to help change a tire, try to be there. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Wow, this has been absolutely amazing, Tyler. And I know we're running a little over what I had uh, guesstimated for, for the podcast. You're but this totally is, fine. But this has just been great. And, and one thing has led to another. And I, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. And I hope you'll come back um, maybe a little later absolutely. down the road and we can talk some more about uh, Disney and music. We're talk and... more about you Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you this before I go. Okay. Um, and this, we're going to have another conversation. We'll just talk about parallel universes and all that stuff next time. Cause okay. I can get into some deep thought. All right. Uh, deep conversation. But I, I do feel like there's a parallel universe out there where the whole, uh, what I call the golden era or the Renaissance era of Nashville, that what the TNN era, you know, the Nashville network times where there was uh Music City Tonight, Nashville had its, a lot of people don't know, Nashville had its own talk shows. Mm -hmm. um, Ralph Emery is, you know, looked up to, to this day by all those in the late night talk show world. You yeah. know, Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, they all look up to Ralph Emery. But if you ask a kid who Ralph Emery is, they've never heard that name before. And that's so sad to me. Yes. Um, but the, the Nashville Golden Age was um, the Jim Owens age, the Buddy Killen age, all these names. That people have no idea who I'm talking about, but that's the point. Is like they need to know. Yes. And uh, that's one of my goals. But there's a parallel universe out there where that is still going strong. Nashville's television network uh, studios are bigger than they were. And Crook and Chase have retired. And Jesse Lynn has been passed the torch. Uh, by Miss Lorianne Crook herself, uh, <laughs> I do believe that you uh, should be the predecessor uh, in that in that in this universe. But I think you are somewhere out there. Well, you are the predecessor. You are too sweet and and too kind. Oh my goodness, way way too sweet. And I I'm and like I just you. don't know who your Charlie is. I don't know. We haven't found him yet. <laughs> He's got to have a tooth comb mustache. If he don't, he can't have the job. I gotcha. He can't have it. Got it. <laughs> got it. Well, we might have to see how the staging and all that stuff could work out. You know, Mike Mike could find something to work. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't look good in the tooth comb mustache. Only Skipper Dan does. Well, okay, so maybe you you change a little bit and and you become I don't know. Do Dave? Mm. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You know, it's not Jesse. Dan, but it's Dave. And, you know, <laughs> Dave. you can make Dave. it work. <laughs> But thank you so much for having me on, truly. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. And if you would, go ahead and tell folks how they can find you on all your social media platforms and all of that great stuff. I am uh, at Tyler Dean McDowell everywhere except Twitter because uh, that was the only platform Curb got me verified on. And when you're verified, you cannot change your username. So uh, ah. just... On Twitter, it is underscore Tyler Dean, but everywhere else, it is at Tyler Dean McDowell. 
fantastic. Well, Tyler, thank you again so very much. I greatly appreciate it. Hope to see you again really soon. And uh, we will have that conversation with the Parallel Universe on the next podcast. So you can just chalk that one down. I promise you. Stay tuned, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, Tyler. Hope you have a great night. Thank you, Jesse. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. And thanks so much for tuning in to the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to go out and like and share our podcast page on Facebook and Instagram under at Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. You also can find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit my website, jessielynn.net. <laughs>